Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. The International Movies to Watch Club. Misfits, buggers, feminists, and fools. God bless everyone. Very nice. Do you know what it's from? I... (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we just need to... First of all, how's it going, Mita? Hi. Here, present. Mita's here, present. Yes. Yes. Mita's a little tipsy, but that's... Not a little. I'm not tipsy. (laughs) Mita had a margarita before coming to I had one margarita. So let's see how this recording goes. Yeah. But here's the thing, listeners. This is episode, like, 160... What? 170? Something like that. It's 169. Yeah. No, wait. That doesn't make sense. We're 170 something. I don't know. It's 170 something. It's a little definitely in. And this is the first time this has happened. But Meet and I actually recorded this episode previously. It is now Sunday night, uh, September 17th. And on Thursday night, Meet and I recorded this episode. And then we proceeded to actually watch next week's podcast movie Titanic. And then I opened my computer on Saturday morning and the recording was gone. No idea where it went. It disappeared. It just disappeared. And so... I felt like it was good, but maybe the, the universe... I did like it. And that's, I like think, what bothers me is yeah. that I actually thought it was a good recording. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Like, it, it felt very... Fun. We had fun with it. It was really... There's some interesting, like, twists that even came up that we'll, like, talk about. But so all this to say is we are re-recording this. Everything here is being re-recorded. So our small talk our review, all of it. Mm-hmm. So here we are having this conversation again. We're going to try to keep it fresh and try to keep it interesting. Even the fact that we've talked about things, all of that, we're still going to try to keep it fresh. We didn't want to just pretend like it didn't happen because I think it would come off really odd if that's what we did. We try, we, so this has happened once. Has it? This happened our very first episode. We recorded 2001 oh, A Space right. And the first recording we ever did, we were figuring out how to actually record an episode. Yeah. And the first recording we did didn't sound good at all. Yeah. As I tapped this piece of yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. It didn't sound good didn't, at all. Yeah. And so we re-recorded it, which it was launched as our first episode. Yeah. Um, and we never told people that this was like the second recording. But I do remember re-recording that. And like you and I were trying to remember the conversation. Yeah, the conversation. We're not going to do that. We're starting fresh. We're just going to have the conversation and yeah. talk about it. And then kind of just go from there and see what happens. Because yeah. I'm sure new things will come up. Mm-hmm. But... Here we are yeah. on Sunday, September 17th, huh. the last day of TIFF. Oh, yeah. Yeah, today was the last day of TIFF. Good segue. Good segue, Nadine. right? Yeah. Why are we talking about TIFF, Nadine? Because I actually attended TIFF. I was there for the first four days. Mm-hmm. I was there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I was there to pitch a film. Yes. And I came back on Monday. So I was there for the first, it's 10 days and I was there for the first four. I ended up, you know, having an experience that, you know, I'll be honest, was not, I think, what I wanted it to be mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. I had actually previously gone to TIFF in 2017. I won a fellowship and I was, uh, I kind of had an all expenses paid kind of situation and it was lovely. Yeah. And this time I did it on my own. So I got the cheaper pass and et cetera, et cetera. And because I got the conference pass and not the industry pass, which I did qualify for, but it's substantially more expensive. It costs money. It costs money. So I didn't choose to do that. But as a result, I actually missed a lot of the films I wanted to see. Mm. Most of them, actually. I really wanted to see Anatomy of a Fall, which won the Palme d'Or, and The Zone of Interest, which also premiered at Cannes, directed by Jonathan Glazer. And I could not get into either of them. And it kind of really tainted my experience a little bit. So I did end up seeing 11 movies, which is... That's a lot. That's a lot of films. 11 movies. 11. As somebody who has watched many movies this yeah. <laughs> year, 11 is a lot. 11 and 40s is a lot. Yeah. I also will say that, like, I don't know if you get this way, and I'm sure you do. I get a little fatigued. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge movie nerd. Yeah. But I think, like, three is kind of where I'm just like, okay. Three in one day? Three in one day. That Yeah. As the listeners know, I am trying to watch yes. 365 movies in a year, and there have been days where I've reached five. Wow. But it, that's like, that's a, it's a weekend when I have like, yeah. I, I'm avoiding all the responsible things I yeah. should be doing. And I'm just like 
sitting and enjoying my time. I don't find that exhausting. Okay. But the days where, like, if I am working mm-hmm. and I, I can maybe manage three in a day, it, mm-hmm. that I find exhausting. And I think the exhausting part is, like, thinking about, what am I going to watch next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, the exhausting part was because I didn't have first come, first serve access to any of the screenings, I had to rush everything pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's the waiting, which you're waiting at, like, press screenings and stuff too, but waiting for screenings, it's like an hour, hour and a half for the bigger films. Yeah. And... That is energy, but also, like, energy of not knowing. Like, I'm waiting an hour, hour and a half. Having to have not a backup to, plan. Yeah, yeah. Having to, like... And you had to have a backup plan for everything. And I, I, most of the movies I saw were my backup movies. So that was a little frustrating because it's not... It wasn't what I expected. And you end up spending a lot of time. And so, like, my last day on Sunday, I did... There were There was a public screening of Zone of Interest that I could have rushed and probably gotten into. But... It was the, do I stand in the rush line? Do I wait? Do I risk not getting in? Yeah. And then like with the rush, you're also, sometimes the movie starts and I hate coming into a movie without having like, well, like while it's already playing. So like a bunch of things. But also I think we talked about this last time about how TIFF is considered like the people's festival because I think it's the festival with the most people access. Yes. I hear TIFF, not TIFF, I hear Cannes is very inaccessible Mm -hmm. to the public. It's really like... High security, very roped off, but like TIFF is literally in the streets of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Literally in the streets. (laughs) But I also hear that Cannes is... I I read somewhere that like a filmmaker was just like, yeah, TIFF is really accessible. Cannes is really inapproaching and I was there with the movie. Like it's it's like, (laughs) it's almost like no one wants wants you there unless you're like French. (laughs) <laughs> so, so or like Brad Pitt or like Brad Pitt <laughs> yeah. yeah so you know which is great and you know the the biggest award given out is the people's choice it's voted by the people and we'll talk about that in a second uh, and it plays a big role in Oscar contention but there was a big issue this year that I experienced and I heard from a lot of people because Ticketmaster was controlling the ticket sales yes. and as Taylor Swift fans and Mitha know Ticketmaster is the devil yeah they yeah. really have dropped the ball on things and so I heard a lot I went to, I was very fortunate to see a friend of mine got me a ticket to the Boy in the Heron gala premiere, the opening mm-hmm. night premiere. And it was like impossible to get into. It was like 300 people were selling them for like $300 on Ticketmaster. And I get in and it's 75% full. And there's like, there's like empty seats all over the place. And it just, it was such a like slap in the face because mm-hmm. I was like, wait, what the hell is this? this and is... also like, Tiff was not like that before. Yeah. Yeah. It, like that, that's what I've heard. And so like, the the overselling of tickets and like the, the just that feeling that it felt very you know there are there are movie nerds and movie buffs all over the city who want to see these movies yeah. but like yeah you don't want to pay $300 for a movie ticket i get that even as a giant movie nerd i get that but to see that there's empty seats and that people who actively want to see these movies could get into mm-hmm. them and they you weren't like they for whatever reason they couldn't that was really frustrating and so I read after the zone of interest uh, screening that there was a bunch of empty seats all over the place. Ugh, that's so that was really frustrating because it was just like well you know let the people watch let the, the movies. people watch the movies because that's what they're here for and yeah. like I would have even paid okay money but I'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars like even as a movie person I'm just like I'm not gonna do that like I don't I don't feel comfortable paying $100 to see a screen. Because, again, it's not taking place in, like, a cineplex either, right? Where, like, every seat has perfect access, access to, yeah, to, the to the screen. screen. itself, and, like, it's, it's an enjoy... It's, like, it's meant for... Yeah, movie that, viewing. Yeah. It's in an auditorium. So, like, I did... I found cheap tickets to Zone of Interest, but they were, like, nosebleed section, and I'm just like, is this actually going to be a decent viewing experience, or yeah. am I just going to feel like I'm watching something on my phone? Mm-hmm. So... You know, you you roll the dice. Exactly. I made a roll the dice. She did gesture, made a roll the dice. Which also looked like something else. Yeah, it totally time. did. Sorry. <laughs> um, last week, Mita made me rank yes. my movies, and I'll do that again. But before that, did you hear what won People's Choice? I didn't, but before that, <laughs> I made you rank, but I also want you to tell... Last week, I had you tell me, like, what's something I mean. Yes. Not to see. Now, I want you to just say something that, like, general public... Okay. Should see. Sure. Okay. So what did you want to start with? 
ranking or let's go people's choice people's first choice. yeah i did not hear about you one. didn't it's no. called american fiction i wasn't oh. able to see it it actually came out on the tuesday I like the screening started from it's jeffrey wright is i think it is okay and it's supposed to be very good according to the people i i saw and heard very good things about women of the hour i've heard good things about women of the hour the holdovers came in second Oh, okay. Well, Alexander Payne, starring Paul Giamatti, and The Boy in the Huron, Miyazaki's final film, came in third. So, uh-huh. all in contention at this point, I'd say. I think Miyazaki is going to obviously win an Oscar for Boy in the Huron, an animated, the animated yeah. one. I, American fiction then suddenly comes becomes a part of the conversation, oh. because it won People's Choice, and the People's Choice winner is often a top five, if not at least in the conversation. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Also has Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah. Issa Rae. Big black cast. Sterling K. Brown. Yeah. Adam Brody. Yeah. And Adam Brody. Oh, Seth. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's suppo- Seth's in it. I'll watch it's it. It's supposed to be good. I know a couple of people who saw it and they said that uh, the audience really like enjoyed it. Yeah. So let's, it's officially part of the conversation. We're going to have to watch it and uh, let's find out what it's, what's the Exciting. big deal. Exciting. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Ranking. Ranking. Do you, so when we first talked about this, it was a little messy. Yes. It's less it? messy. So maybe there's reasons, you know, okay. things happen because I officially, you didn't tell me in advance. So yeah. I did it on the spot and I like forgot things and like, yeah, saw. exactly. Okay. So. I officially, I saw 11 films. We're going to go 11 to 1. Okay, so at the very bottom of the list is a movie called Riddle of Fire. Oh. Which was, it uh, was a Cannes film. I tried to get into Anatomy of a Fall. I couldn't, and this was playing at the same time, so I went and saw it. It was a very frustrating experience because Anatomy of a Fall was like the buzziest film there. Yeah. And both that and Zone of Interest. I later on found out it was playing in a theater meant for like 230 people. Whereas this Riddle of Fire was playing in the AVX theater that had 450 seats and 50 people were sitting in them. And I was just like, what the, that's, what the hell? But I did hear murmurs that sometimes the distributors, especially of European films like that, they like to limit the amount of people who can see them to increase, you know, buzz, buzz and word of mouth and blah, blah, blah. So. But how do you know? Like, that's a risk. It won the Palme d'Or. Oh, right. Yeah, so <laughs> it was going to be that, like... That yeah. helps, yeah. It, it was not like a real pet press screening, I'd say. Like, yeah. people had seen it by this mm-hmm. point, and everyone knew that it was going to be a big one. Yeah. So that Riddle of Fire, very forgettable, very... Uh, it's the one starring, what's her name? Leo Tipton. Leo Tipton, who I know from... America's Next Top Model. No, I know her from Crazy Stupid, Stupid Love. Love. Yeah. Yes. But very forgettable. But- also from America's Next Top Model. Sure. And, like, that was a big season. Okay. <laughs> very forgettable movie. Yeah. Very low budget. Just not my not my jam. Yeah. Number 10 was Gonzo Girl. Yeah. Starring one Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And directed by Patricia Arquette. Yeah. About Huntress Thompson. Not mm-hmm. a bad film. Good performances. But not my thing. Not your thing? Just not my thing. I thought the end was great, but... Uh, Kind of boring in between. People agree with you because I looked up some of them on Letterboxd okay. after our talk yeah. last week. And uh, yeah, people are on the same path with that one. Of a Gonzo girl? Yeah. Yeah. I was very forgettable. I actually forgot about it last week completely. I was just like, oh, I'm only at 10. Oh, Gonzo Girl. Yeah. Which surprised me because the title is so similar to one of your favorite movies, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Yeah. But I thought you would remember that. Very different movie. <laughs> yeah. At number nine, I have The Queen of My Dreams. Yes. Which is a Canadian film. Starring one Amrit Kaur mm-hmm. from The Sex Life of College Girls. Yes. And Mita's school friend yeah. from Sahak and fellow Canadian. I don't know if friend is the word. Yeah, just, <laughs> just acquaintance. Like school colleague. Yeah, school colleague. <laughs> I actually know him through the community as well. Yeah. Very Canadian in every way, shape, and form. Amrit is actually great. She okay. really is the reason to see it. She's a great performance. She moves, she, she keeps it going. Hamza is okay. Yeah. I think it's the writing is, it kind of limits him. There's not much scope and he's okay. Yeah. But the movie itself is also okay. I did look up this movie a little bit and I'm actually interested to see it. Yeah. Because the premise seems really cute to me. Yeah, yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts okay. once you see it. It was picked up by Cineplex actually. Oh, okay. So it'll be releasing at a theater near you. That's very exciting. Yeah. That's very exciting for Hamza because as you mentioned, yeah. he's Born and raised He's in born Ottawa. And raised in Not Ottawa. born, born. Sorry, raised in raised Ottawa. in Ottawa. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But. Raised in Ottawa. It's a it's a really good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, next in eighth position. Yes. Is Seven Veils. Okay. Which Adam Egoyan. Adam Egoyan, uh, starring Amanda Seyfried. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
I feel like with him, it's like a time and a place is when people yeah. were like really interested in him. Yeah. And it doesn't always fly. He did Chloe too, right? He did Chloe. Yeah. He did that one with What's Her Face with Colin Firth and Kevin Bacon. Oh, oh yes. Um, and it's about a true story. Yeah. Where... And Rachel Blanchard from yes. Clueless. Um, the one where they murdered the girl. Yeah. Yes. Spoiler alert. He also is Oscar nominated for The Sweet Hereafter and like, you know, yeah. he's not... Something about like where the line or what's yeah, the, where... where what, the truth lies. Where the truth there lies. There he goes. Yeah. It took a while, but we got there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just okay. Very okay about opera and... Oh, Pretentious and on the nose at the same time. Does Amanda Seyfried sing in it? No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. She acts in it and she's very good. She's the best part about it. Okay. Next, I have this uh, Polish film I saw called The Peasants, Mm. which was produced by the same people who did Loving Vincent. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a, yeah. It's about Van Gogh, uh, but it's an animated film, animated the way uh, paint, painting is done. Yes. So it's very, 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 very interesting style. I think for me, it's too much style for a feature. It's a two-hour feature film. And it just, it, that style goes on for too long. Yeah. Interesting movie, well acted. I, and I just, I think I would have liked to have just seen a, a straight up yeah. drama rather than the animation because I found it distracting. It's too glitchy. Not like, what's the word I'm looking for? Gimmicky? There's just something gimmicky about it. Yeah. yeah. Next we have Dear Jesse. Oh. Which is directed by Tarsim Singh and actually won an award today. Oh, it did? Yeah, it did. Good for you, Dear Jesse. Yeah. Dear Jesse is about the honor killing that happened of a Canadian uh, woman named Swinder when she fell in love with a neighbor of hers. This um, was in the 90s? 90s, yeah. Yeah, and it was a brutal, brutal mm-hmm. case. And the movie itself is okay, I And say. it's not a documentary. It's not a documentary. It's fiction. Yeah. Uh, based on a true story, et cetera, et cetera. But one thing the movie does really well is it never says based on a true story. Oh. Because it's not trying to... I think the movie's trying to really show the love story between the, the two characters and not focus on the honor-killing aspect, which is a nice... Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's a nice approach. The s- sad thing is is that like it's two hours and ten minutes and it just goes on too long. He, it's one of, I, The way I described it was it's a flight that really lands the plane really well but yeah. there's a lot of turbulence to get there yeah. and so, that was a very good description yeah it, yeah it lands it very well it's devastating in the end but you kind of are humming and humming and a little bored in between mm-hmm. after that we have The Boy and the Hero Miyazaki's fu- alleged final film but no one thinks it's actually his final <laughs> film I don't think I'm a Miyazaki person yeah yeah I thought Spirited Away you know was like just okay yeah just okay he really understands adolescence. Yeah. And he really understands, like, growing up and the pain of growing up and all of that. And he does it really well. And, like, loss and, like, those feelings of, I think, complication, he he really understands. But I think, for me, his style of animation is just, it's it's just not for me. I'm not that person. I think mm-hmm. there's a, a type of person who loves Miyazaki. And they'll love this. It's peak Miyazaki in the best way possible. But it's just not... It's not for me. Yeah. I'm not the target audience for this. Then we get into the top four. I said Dumb Money, which uh, with my... <laughs> I'm like excited for that one. Yeah, I, <laughs> you, you'll enjoy it. Dumb Money. Yeah. Dumb Money is Craig Gillespie, uh, whom I love from Itania. Yeah. Love. I, 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 he's, he's always... He's never bad. No. It's always a good time with Craig. It's, like nice it's, it's fun and it's a fun movie. It's an entertaining film. has something to say. My Girl America Ferreira is in it. There um, you go. So... Now... You have spoken about in the past your disdain for one Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Dano. Yeah. How is he in this? Good. Yeah. yeah, he's good. I don't like Paul Dano, and I think he has a very punchable face, but that works in his favor in this film. Okay. I'll say, yeah. There you go. So go watch Dumb Money. Okay. Uh, number three, we have Thank You for Coming. Oh, um, you're welcome. <laughs> an Indian movie starring Bhumi Bednikar, uh, Anil, produced by Anil Kapoor, starring Anil Kapoor. Produced by his daughter, Rhea Kapoor. Not Sonam? Not Sonam. Sonam's such a waste of time. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for coming. I w- saw it instead of Zone of Interest. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bummed, obviously. But I actually quite enjoyed Thank You for Coming. Bumi is reliable and great. Yeah. Fun movie. Great messaging. Uh, better than you think it's going to be. Okay. Because I did of... watch the trailer after you talked about it. Yeah. 
And I was skeptical. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that the trailer is selling it as a movie about a woman who has an orgasm for the first time in her life, but yeah. doesn't know who gives it to her. And it's like this sex mystery. But it's not. Okay. It actually has more to say. It's much more interesting than that. And it's more about female relationships, patriarchy, obviously. Yeah. But. That darn thing. More worth your time than it is coming across. Okay. So I would, yeah, I'd say go watch that. Okay. Number two was Kill. Kill. An Indian movie, A Midnight Madness. Yes. Which was such a fun time. And I wish I had gone to The Midnight Madness. Mm. And I had it, I'd almost purchased a ticket. And I decided that I was going to go to Dumb Money the next day. And that was at 8 a.m. And I had to pick and choose. And I picked Dumb Money, which wasn't a bad choice. Yeah. But I think the experience of watching Kill at Midnight Madness would have been better. That feels like a surprising choice coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a riot. It's a riot. And I think... I saw it actually in an audience that was... That did enjoy it. Yeah. But that was the thing that was just like, oh, imagine a Midnight Madness audience. Was it a brown audience? Uh, it was about 50-50, actually. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of non-brown people. There's yeah. a lot of brown people. Because it is produced by Karan Johar mm-hmm. and Tharma Productions. Uh, and it starts a, a new hot boy. So there's obviously, like, reasons that Indian people are going to go see it. And Indian people like to support Indian movies when they come to TIFF. But a fun time. And when it comes here, I hope it plays at like a midnight madness here because I'll definitely go watch Sorry, it. Sorry, is there a name, a new hot boy, or like? No, his name is Laksh. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought I wasn't sure if you're saying a new hot boy. No, his, like yeah. his name was something. His that name is like his, his name is Laksh, and uh, he's very attractive. Okay, and he's gonna go places. His name <laughs> is not a new hot boy. It's not. He's just a new hot boy. <laughs> and then finally, the thing that everybody should go see. Yes. Including you. Okay. Is called Dream Scenario. Yeah. Starring one Nicolas Cage. Whoa, baby. And that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I didn't look it up. No, don't. Don't look it up. This was a movie that I didn't know existed. And on Saturday, the premiere happened, and then everyone was talking about it. Mm -hmm. So Sunday morning, there was a press screening. I was meant to go see something else, and then I was like, and then everyone was talking about this, so I walked in blind. Yeah. Like, I've never been blind before, and I effing loved it. Okay. Produced by Ari Aster. Which should say there something. Yeah. But just watch it and don't go in knowing anything about it. You'll go with me? Yeah, I'd see it again. Will you go see Kill? Yeah, I'd love to see Kill. Okay. Will you go see Thank You for Coming with Me? Maybe not. Will you go see... Uh, no. Oh. I will, like the others, <laughs> you'll have to see for yourself. Okay. I will. I, I would see uh, Dream Scenario again. Yeah. And I would definitely see Kill. Okay. Of the two... Kill is a... I've, I've learned recently that the viewing experience is actually really integral, I think, to how you experience a film. Yeah. And I think it could really change the trajectory of how you feel about it. And I don't think we put enough into that. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, with Rocky Arani, for instance, like we talked about it, even with, like, Barbie and Oppenheimer, watching movies with a crowd and a crowd who's, like, into it. And that's, I think, what I missed in Kill. It was, like, people at 12 o'clock eager to watch a film. That, like, energy is something you don't get outside of, I think, TIFF. Or outside of, like, opening weekend for Barbenheimer, let's say. Like, remember when we saw Oppenheimer together? That whole theater was full of people who were, like, I'm effing here for this. Like, that's... that's It felt good. It it feels good. Rather than going on a random Tuesday night for people who are there because it's a cheap Tuesday. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I prefer... I'm realizing I prefer to pay full price to see a movie. Yeah. Because it's a different experience. But yeah, I think Dream Scenario will make its way into the Oscar conversation. Mm-hmm. It might not um, win anything, but it. I think Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage might... might uh, there you go. But speaking of the Oscar conversation... Yes, Nidhi. Mita! We. We watched a movie. We did watch a movie. What was it? This week, we watched mm-hmm. the 1996. Yes. Best Picture winner. Yes. The English Patient. Yes. yes. Would you like an IMDb disco? Please give it to me. I will. IMDb describes the English Patient as, at the close of the World War... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> at the close of World War II, a young nurse tends to a badly burned plane crash victim... His past is shown in flashbacks, revealing an involvement in a fateful love affair. There we go. Yes. Yeah. That is a... Uh, that is a, a good English description patient. of the English patient. That is yeah. basically it. That's pretty much it. Yes. What? So I had never seen the English patient no. before, so I don't have like a 
sense memory. The only thing I really do remember is people talking about it at Oscar time, which is weird because I was like five years old. So why do I remember that? Who knows? But I do remember there being talk about it and being it being this like sweeping romance, but never really having the opportunity to watch it because it wasn't something that was like readily available. It's still not actually. Yeah. Like it didn't come on TV like frequently. It's not something like you... You have to rent it, or now it's streaming and has kind of changed that conversation. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, it's kind of like it's not in the it's public not, conversation the exactly. same way. Yeah, so there was never really the chance to be like, "Yeah, I'll watch the English patient." So I was never really intrigued to yeah. see it. What was your first experience like? Well, I th- I was also I was older, obviously, when this came out, mm-hmm. and. I'm having the memory that the Titanic year was the first year I started watching the Oscars end to end and then continued. So this year I didn't I didn't actually get to this point. I was 96, I was 13. No. 11. I was 11. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah, math. I was 11, so I was young. Yeah. But I remember the conversation was largely about the English patient because there's such a big Canadian quotient. Oh. There's such a large amount of can't, it's such a big yeah. Julie Pinoche plays a Canadian character Willem Dafoe plays a Canadian character Canada is so prominent in the English patient and I think which is interesting because it's still World War II but I think Michael Undone Dutch Day I don't know how to pronounce his name but I think he's Canadian I'm looking it up Sri Lankan Canadian yes yeah. so I think that's why it was such a big deal in our world because it was like oh the Canadian you know Canadians are kind of always very like, oh, it's, you know. The, the, it's exciting. They yeah. don't get talked about a lot. <clears throat> anytime there's a Canadian connection, people get excited. <laughs> Hence why I'm excited for Hamza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All this to say is that, like, at the time, I remember there was a lot of talk about the English patient. And I think it was because there was so much Canadianness about it. And it was the first time, actually, if you think about it, that Canada plays so prominently in a Best Picture winner or a Best Picture even contender. Mm-hmm. So it was a big part of the conversation. But I did watch it. Before this, I remember there was a period, I go through these like periods of like ups and downs where I like watch bursts of films I haven't seen and then I go back to watching like The Wedding Planner over and over. So there was <laughs> a time. Ta- favorite movie is The Wedding Planner. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a time where I did sit down to watch The English Patient. I don't remember when though. And I don't remember if it was within the last 10 years or in the last 20 years. Yeah. And I don't remember how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what... Th- I remembered the movie. I remembered specific scenes and, like, shots and everything. But I actually didn't remember what the feeling was after. And that was strange. Yeah. Because I actually... I didn't enjoy this. Mm-hmm. So that I found strange. Because I'm like, I probably enjoyed it at the time. But... It's not memorable. Well... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's forgettable, though. But I don't think it's, like, it's memorable in that you would hold on to something like that. So this was your first view, and yes. clearly you loved it. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> My memory is that it's a sweeping love story, yeah. that it's supposed to be all-encompassing. Yeah. It's supposed to be this really, like, risque affair that they're having. Like, this is what I... I thought that was what this movie was going to be. And it's not that at all. Yeah. Like, it, that I did not feel the romance factor in this movie one bit and like not I was not in love with the idea of these two characters in love with each other yeah and I'm not even going to disagree necessarily with you because I do find that the romance is I think it's overplayed as a romance I don't I think the English patient is there's a big part of it that is a romance Mm -hmm. but there's actually a lot of other stories yeah it's not just the it's not just the story between Ray Ray Fangs and and Julia Binoche and Kristen Scott Thomas it's I not just it. that story. It's not just the affair they're having. There's actually quite a few stories intertwined and connected. And I think that's what makes the English patient work. I think the romance is just one of them. So I was never swept away by the romance, but I was also not maybe expecting to be. Oh, okay. I, th- but I feel like, was that not the talk? Like, is this not what people refer so, to as it being like the one of the better romance films of its time? So the reason I think that or I have that recollection is because of Seinfeld. Are you pu- putting all the blame on Seinfeld? Also, before I I'm got not pu- here, he, Nadim was watching Seinfeld. Yeah. Were you watching that episode? No, it wasn't oh, that episode. Okay. <laughs> but I will say, I'm not putting the blame on Seinfeld because I don't think this is a chicken and an egg situation. I think that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine has seen The English Patient and hates it, but everyone around her loves it. I think that was just what was happening at the time. And people were talking about The English Patient like it was this 
romance to end all romances kind of thing. But maybe because I didn't, I seen it and I wasn't as connected to the romance, I felt that way. But also, we did mention this last time and I think it, it warrants being talked about again. Yes. I have never seen a, an American romance Mm -hmm. that has really been sweeping. Only Indian films, like truly Hindi films, have been the ones where I've, it's been like clutch pearls romantic. Because those are really romantic. <laughs> like those have actual, yeah. like, in this time, like the year prior, the Dhaniyalejange comes out. Yeah. And that is probably one of the most romantic, romantic films. truly romantic films. To the yeah. right of me is a poster. Yeah, of Lutera. Of Lutera, which is years beyond the English fiction, but a sweeping, sweeping romantic romance, film. Yeah. Like Bollywood just, or Indian cinema does it better yeah. than North America can. And like we last week we were talking, we were trying to figure out like a North American movie that has that like Indian cinema yeah. factor to it. And like it's a few days later, I still can't think of I still anything. can. And actually if I'm thinking it might No, it's not. Like even Gone with the Wind. I was that's what I was just like. That's the one I was just like. It might be, but it's not gone it's not, with the though, wind. It's not though because I think Scarlet is really the the character the that, that drives it. Yeah, but I don't really care for her relationship with Rhett. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not dying for. I'm actually proud at the end when when her, he leaves when her? her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. Think that was the right thing yeah, to do because she was a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like she can, she can be a bitch. She can. Yeah. No, no, for sure. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed Gone with the Wind, but I wouldn't describe it as a sweeping romance. romance. Yeah, that's just a sweeping drama. And if you're trying to think of other sweeping, like, if you think of other Oscar winners, let's even say, yeah. from the past, are any of them sweeping romances? Like, you've never seen Doctor Zhivago, no. and I saw it a long time ago. Doctor Zhivago is meant to be a sweeping romance, and it's you know, it is takes it? it takes place over time and all of that. I don't know. I think there's just something like, I was really trying to think about like what it is. And I think it's because Indian people or like South Asians by and large are very, we're very emotional people. Yeah. Very, very emotionally driven and very like hand on our sleeves, emotional people. So I think we connect to the large melodrama that Bollywood produces and we're swept up in those big emotions. The thing is the English patient isn't big in emotion. Mm. The emotions themselves are not... They're not explored. Sweeping. No. They are understandable, but like yes. it's also... But it's not like in Indian cinema. I think it's really explained to you. Yeah. In terms of their acting of like, this is how I feel. Yeah. Whereas like, it's a little bit... It's subtle in, in this specifically yeah. in The English Patient. Like you're meant to understand that Juliette Binoche is always upset or the people that she loves yes, wind up exactly. being hurt so of course she's going to be guarded in this new relationship yeah. and want him to stay and yeah. not go out and so like you're doing the guesswork as the audience member but instead in a ball in an indian cinema film Kajol's like scream crying yeah. <laughs> and like you're feeling it with her and also the music know? i think actually ends up yes playing a big part in that and translating those emotions, those happy emotions and those sad emotions and those fun emotions. Whereas I think the only thing that could sell a steamy romance is sex, like truly. Mm. And there's not much of it in The English Patient. And it's it's not not very steamy. It's not exciting. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to be a pervert, but like... (laughs) No, but it's not (laughs) like... But when you finally do see the Kristen Scott Thomas and Ray Fiennes character get together... I, they were just, like, making out. Like, it wasn't, yeah. like... I wasn't, like, this needs to happen. Yeah. And this and isn't... I kind of was, like, just get to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this isn't to say that... The, I actually find the romance very believable, mm-hmm. and I do understand where they're going with it. And I, I'm i not saying it's... You know, we've talked a lot about, like, watching romances and being like, oh, I don't buy this. No, I buy it, actually. I understand it. I buy it. I think those two characters together make sense. I'm just not, like swept up in it yeah i'm not like fanning myself i'm not like, like whoa this yeah, is amazing yeah and like i also think that a big problem is that i realized this time that like so much happens in the last like 30 minutes of this film mm-hmm. so much the entire movie basically. yeah it takes place it takes place in the last 45 minutes and maybe if that hadn't been so packed tight and we're saying this when the movie itself is two hours and 45 minutes Yeah, long. exactly. So it's not like you didn't have the time to build to that build in. Yeah. yeah. But I think 
I might have felt more taken aback if we spent more time, you know, the plane crash and her in the cave and yes. him being arrested and like all of that. If that had been the larger focus, I might have actually been like, oh, this is sweeping. Like, yeah. I think it would have felt that way. But because it feels very... It's not crammed, I'll say. Like, it doesn't feel, like, crammed. But it does feel like a lot of important stuff happening in a short period of time. Period of time. Yeah. And important stuff that, like, you frankly should be spending time yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. To, like, really get to the point. Yeah. Because by the end of it, I just was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess that's what happened. Yeah. And also, a lot of time is spent on that relationship between them. But I don't even think, like, the payoff is there. I actually think the payoff is there, mm-hmm. but I don't, but I do wish, especially because the setup and the the end, especially what happens with their characters is devastating and it is sad. And I think there's a world where a few tweaks here and there, what might've felt you leaving like upset, upset. But the buildup to it isn't ex- like, it's supposed to be an illicit affair, but at no point was I ever, like, concerned about them getting caught. Yes, that's or, very true. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Or, like, even if they did get caught, I'm just like, she looks better with Colin Farrell anyways. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I really was not buying into their chemistry together. Like, it just wasn't working for me. But that is because I don't think Christian Scott Thomas is... I think she's beautiful. She's beautiful. And she's a good actress. Yeah. But I don't think she has the, like... The gravitas to ground the film. Mm. And I think someone like your favorite girl, Nicole. No, you know what? I did like 90s Nicole, so I will allow you to say that. But like even in the (laughs) 90s, like Nicole, and like you mentioned this last time and I thought this was interesting. Even Juliette Binoche playing Kristen Scott Thomas's character might have been more interesting. You should have switched. Yeah. Or even Isabella Rossellini. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she has, well... Is Isabella Rosalina a good actress? She's great in Blue Velvet. Yeah. And that episode of 30 Rock. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> I'm happy she got the Arby's. Yeah, I'm happy. She, no, she didn't. She <laughs> oh, gave she the Arby's. Oh, she didn't Arby's. get the Arby's. She loves her big beef and cheddar, though. Big beef and cheddar. <laughs> but who else from the 90s could have done that? Nicole is like... Nicole one is the, the one that's yeah. like... Nicole's like, the one you leave your, your spouse for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Nicole... Think about that chemistry between Nicole and Colin and like... And Ray. Yeah. The, the, so the other thing we talked about last week is I have the hardest time hearing Ray Fine speak. Well, I mean, he's because not, yeah. he is it's Lord Voldemort. Like, I feel like he's ruined his career. I know. In a way, it's so hard for me to, like, to separate yeah. the two. And especially because in the first time we see him in this film, his face is, is like, yeah. covered with, like... The bad, burn, yeah. yeah. the burn stuff. And so it looks like Lord Voldemort. Yeah, it does. And I was just like, watch out, girl. They, like... He's going to get you. But, like, a moment for Ray Fiennes, <laughs> who's played, who had so an incredible movies. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea, actually, like. He's, and he's very good. He's very good, actually. Yeah. And it's interesting, because we're going to watch his brother in a few weeks. And yes. his brother just is not the same. Mm-mm. But Rafe has really, like. Rafe is lasting. Like, he's even lasting. in the, the menu, which I didn't love, he's, like, one of my more favorite parts. He's a good time in the menu, though. Yeah. He's a fun time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, but, and I think there's something very, I think the thing about the English patient is it conceptually all works, actually. Yeah. It conceptually works. Even the, the acting is nice, the directing is nice. It's just, it's missing that je ne sais quoi. It's not what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think the thing about the English patient is that it's actually so well made. Mm-hmm. It is, yes, it has the costumes and the set deck and the cinematography and the music, but it has the sense of scale and sweepingness Mm -hmm. that very few films are able to accomplish. Because if you think about, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, there was this like English patient-esque style movie that was always trying to be made. Yeah. Anthony Minghella redid it with like Cold Mountain. And then there was Captain Captain Crowley's Mandolin. Mandolin. (laughs) We couldn't remember that last week. But you see what I mean? Yeah. There is this, like even Pearl Harbor, for instance. There yes, are people these, wanted to create this. People wanted to create what English Patient did. And what Anthony Mangala does is, what he does is incredible. Like you can't take it away from him because he really, he pieces these puzzle pieces together so well and so beautifully that you're really, you're really 
swept up from the very beginning, from that the beautiful calligraphy to the man it creates, and then we're in the desert, and then you know the way the 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 fluid motion of the film and the visual kind of language is beautiful, and it really all works together. I think it's predominantly the tame nature of the romance that lets mm-hmm. the movie down. Yeah, because that's what a lot of the movie is trying to tell you. Like, quite frankly, I think the more interesting story in this film is Willem Dafoe's character. Yeah. And his, like, yeah, yeah. seeking revenge yes. on having to be imprisoned. Like, yeah. I think that is a more interesting story and probably should have been had more time spent on it. Or even the char- the romance between Juliette Binoche and Naveen Andrews' character. Yeah. Like, I was really into that. One, it, it has... Indian representation, yeah. so that's probably why. It's a little thing. Yeah. There's a saying that I'm Indian, so anytime yeah, yeah. there's another Indian, You're instantly drawn to that. Yeah, but uh, I think those two storylines are actually better. Yeah, and they're just kind of like grazed upon, where there's yeah. this real focus on this illicit affair that's like barely illicit. It's not illicit. It is barely illicit, and that's the thing. It's yeah. because Colin Farrell is a bit of a wet blanket in this. Yeah. He doesn't have... He's not... There's never a moment where he confronts Kristen Scott I'm Thomas. Not scared for You're not her. scared for her. You're not scared of him. There's no, like, feeling of, like... There's no danger. Yeah. And as a result, there's no sex behind there's no, it. It doesn't feel like there's real consequences. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't... The affair doesn't actually feel, like, sexy. No, it just felt like, oh, okay, these two people are hooking up. Yeah, right? and her husband's kind of, wow. It was kind of like when Carrie kissed Aiden in Abu Dhabi. Like, I wasn't like, I was like, Big's not going to get mad about that. B- Big's not going to get Big's mad about it. Yeah, him, like, exactly. He knows, Big knows better. Yeah. That's the thing. But <laughs> I think there is a reason this won Best Picture. Okay. <laughs> Neither doesn't. And with that, let us quickly discuss the four nominees for, uh, four other nominees for Best Picture. Yeah. We have Shine. I've never seen it. No, which Jeffrey Rush won an Oscar for. How about that? We have Secrets and Lies, okay. which I've wanted to see, yes. but it's it's unavailable. Very unattainable. We have Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. Show me the money. Show him the money. And then we have Fargo. Yes. I So I haven't seen Shine and haven't seen Secrets and Lies. Same. But I have seen, much like you, Jerry Maguire and Fargo. Wee oui, wee. Oui. I don't like Jerry Maguire. So I do like Jerry Maguire, okay. but I get... I. Do, I don't, sorry, <laughs> what am I trying to say here? Um, I don't think it should be nominated for Best Picture. I think mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's lucky to be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is on this list. It's mm-hmm. the like happy to be here yes. of it. But it, I still like it as a movie. It's fine. But then there's Fargo. Yeah. So I Fargo. really enjoy Fargo. I, I do think like Fargo. Fargo in 1996 was like, was the risque choice in the same way that a movie called The Silence of the Lambs was no that's a stretch not like the same risque factor yeah but the idea that there's this one nominee that maybe like it's kind of surprising to see it there and like should it be there just like how wait was pulp fiction nominated yes it was yeah just like pulp fiction was nominated like oh like that's not normally what you would see in an oscar nominated film but i will say that Fargo is not as strong as Pulp Fiction. No, no. And English Patient is stronger than Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'll give you that. So, yeah, <laughs> you have to think about that but for a second. I'm, but I'm not comparing what the risque movies are to each other. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're yeah. saying. I think the thing with Fargo is that, like, I love Fargo. I think it's a, there's a reason it launched the the Coen brothers. Yes. And Frances McDormand. There's a reason she won an Oscar for that performance. But Fargo doesn't feel like a Best Picture winner. The English Patient feels like it deserves Best Picture. And but the humor and the <laughs> content in Fargo, do you not see how that's, like, in 1996, like, people weren't watching movies like that yet. No, and I get that. But yeah. even when I watch Fargo now, to me, it stands up as this, like, really good indie film. Mm-hmm. One of the best indie films of the year. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. So, But why maybe not? not the best picture of the year. No, but I get why it's 
in that category. I get why it's like, in the. I get why it's actually nominated. I completely yeah. understand, but I get voting for the English patient over okay. Fargo. Okay, like you get why the old farts would do that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I'm not, I'm actually thinking I would vote for the English patient over Fargo well, too. You're an old fart. <laughs> this is how I explained it. Yeah, I, that I think that Fargo. The puzzle pieces for Fargo are bigger. Mm-hmm. There's less things that kind of have to lick. The screenplay, the acting, you know, some basic direction in filmmaking and all of that. But The English Patient has a lot more scope to work with and a lot more place that it needs to hone in. Yeah. It, there's a lot more to make it work. There's a lot that could go wrong. And to get that... I think the thing is is that Anthony Mangella makes that that, that sweeping epic seem very effortless. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole fuckload of effort to make that happen. Yes. I think, like, it's an incredibly crafted film. And I think it is one hot relationship away from being a near-perfect film. Oh, yeah. It's the casting. I, think I, it's really I, I really do think it's the casting. casting. I think that the casting and maybe even a little bit of... Just defining that relationship a little bit more. But if you had Nicole Kidman and even like Tom Cruise. Instead of Ray Fiennes? Yeah. No. I Who instead keep, of Ray? I think keep Ray. Really? I think Ray is strong. Ray gets like makes sense. But Ray is also someone really hard to cast a romantic lead with. Yeah. So maybe we do get rid of him. I like Rafe. You know, I feel bad. I don't want him to lose out on the opportunity. Like, who are who are the Shahrukh <laughs> and Gajal of nineteen ninety? Uh, who are the Shahrukh? If you were to think about this, you'd be like, oh, Shahrukh and Gajal. I don't think Tom because I don't think Tom can fit himself into that. Like, he is foreigner. I get that. Like, yeah, I just can't picture. He's him. very all American. Yeah, yeah, like I don't think Tom. I do think Nicole. That makes sense. Who is hot and British in 1996? In 1990, yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. But you see where I'm going. I do, yeah. Yeah. The cat, like, it could be, you know, he would have been very young at this point, but, like, eventually a Jude Law. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Especially because Jude and Nicole are really hot in Cold Mountain. I have not seen it. Yeah, you should. Okay. Yeah. But I do think Jude Law... Is a great actor and has a lot of sex appeal. Even someone like an older Matt Damon. No, I don't think Matt Damon has sex appeal. No? No, I'm not like... Who's British and has sex appeal? Jude Law. But like... Clive Owen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clive Owen. Clive Owen and Nicole Kidman. That's sex on a screen. Yeah, that's what that is. Which I think the... I have not seen it. There's like... It's a... uh, I think it's about Ernest Hemingway. I oh, seen it, that sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, all this to say that, like, I think that there's a world where this is a stronger film than it currently is. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that necessarily makes it a weak film. We recasted The English Patient, oh, and yeah. I think somebody should make somebody that should movie. make the new cast. Yeah. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? Um, I do want to know more about Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I want to see the the beginning, the middle, and the end yeah. of this man's life. Yeah. Because uh, we talked about this last week. Willem Dafoe's a hottie in this. Yeah, really? Maybe, what if he did the Ray Fiennes character? Oh, interesting. Maybe not with Nicole. No, he could make Nicole No, there's too much jawline in both, uh, of, both them. of them. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to be a bit more flabby. Yeah. But um, he's very good looking very in this, which is like this. surprising because I'm just used it's to not like... Some, it's not how I would ever describe Willem Dafoe. Yeah, but, like, he's you look at him very jaunt. Like, huh. like, are you a ghost yeah. or a man? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he's happening? very good looking in but this. But he's... Yes, very good looking and very, he's so interesting. Yeah, such an interesting Like, character. I want yeah. to know more yeah. about him. And I, I want more of the Juliette Binoche and Naveen Andrews. Andrews. Yeah. I think that they're really cute and I want yeah. them to be together forever and That's make fair. babies. That's but fair. yeah, those yeah. are my sequel prequel ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Would Sharak and Kajal do this? Could they? Like if we were to look, if we're talking about the fact that Indian movies tend to have better romances mm-hmm. across the board, I don't know if Gajal's the person I would put. As, so who would you? Because I just, I don't know if she fits the realm of like being the the woman having the affair has to have like some sort of like oh, femme like fatale. A, it's like a Shreya right? Yeah, yeah. There it you has go. to have a femme fatale appeal to it a little bit. I think Ashoria could have that. Like, Ooh, yeah. But I also, I don't love Shahrukh and Ashwarya together. No, I don't either. But like, Ashwarya could do that really well. Yeah. But here's the thing, is that I think because we've seen so many Indian movies, 
that have been either romantic flat out or have had like solid romantic subplots mm-hmm. that it's easier to kind of put together romantic pairings or put together pairings that have had chemistry on screen and be like would this work and you could be like yes or no yeah it's very simple actually i think it would be interesting with Ranbir and Deepika oh yeah yeah they have almost too much <laughs> sex appeal together they have so much they have it's different. ridiculous i mean i'm glad that they're married uh, yeah yeah exactly but they to me Ramlila is is something else wow. yeah it's, it's, you can it is palpable chemistry yeah and that's i think what some people in the west don't really understand when you talk about like chemistry and the how much it can change a romance how important it is in a movie like this yeah and that's what that's what they need to have those characters they need to have searing the, hot you need chemistry to feel it. they're not hot hot no yeah. what's your rating so do I think it deserves best picture? Yeah. Do you think it deserves best picture? If not, what did? Rating. I do think it deserves best picture. It, I can see why this one. I understand that this is a very hard movie to make mm-hmm. and to do successfully. And I think if you're looking at it from the standpoint of like, this is a drama. Yes. Give it all the accolades. Yeah. Let it win. However, in my lifetime, I have been told that this is one of the most romantic films to exist and that it is a sweeping romance and you fall in love with these characters and you're worried about them during this time of the war and you're supposed to go goo goo gaga. I didn't goo or yeah. <laughs> I'm Like I just, I could not buy into their yeah. love story. And so when I've been told something my entire life, it's hard to yeah. let go of that. And I was left very just whelmed. <laughs> whelmed, yeah. Just whelmed, not under, not, not over. over. Yeah. Just like whelmed, like, okay, this is another drama picture. It's yeah. clearly an Oscar winning drama picture, okay. but there's nothing really special. There's no like X factor to yeah. it. Nothing like, nothing that I would say is uh, extremely memorable either. Okay. Like, I'm not going to recall the sex scene in this. Like, yeah. I would recall yes. a sex scene in like Fatal Attraction. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And a movie that has romance, you should be able to pinpoint something where you're like, that was one of the more romantic things I have ever seen. Can I stop you for one second? Yeah. Can you tell me then a romance from the West that is that? That has like a hot romantic scene? Well, it's just memorable on that Ghost level. and the... Oh, Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Aside from Ghost. Oh. <laughs> Give me one more. I mean, this movie has a t- La La sorry, Land, La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> pointing to La La Land. Like, there's so many moments in that that are just cute and adorable. And, like, you're like, oh, or, do you want something hot, though? Yeah. Give me hot. I actually recently watched a Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas film called The War of the Roses. Oh, okay. Have you ever watched this? I haven't. Okay. But I've heard good things. They have, like, a really hot scene. Okay. A couple, but yeah. yeah. Um, but also Kathleen Turner and the William Hurt. William Hurt, Body Heat. There you go. But that's an erotic thriller. Yeah. Like, you want romance. I mean, like, romantic, like, sweep me up. Like, look, you you looked at Lutera, for instance. Yeah. Lutera doesn't have, there's no hot sex scene, but there's a feeling of, like, romantic sweeping love. Mm-hmm. And heartbreak. Yeah. Like, that intermission point, you're, you know it, you're expecting it as an audience, but your heart still breaks. Yeah. I gave you one, and then you didn't want it. So which one? I gave you ghost, and yeah. you said no. But I mean, <laughs> that's Kendra- a scene that people remember, though. Yeah. <laughs> but is it just the scene, or is it the characters? I recently watched that for okay. the first time. Yeah. So for me, it's sticking. Fair enough. Okay. Right. Fair enough. It's not like I've gone through. Okay. Like a lifetime of other movies. Continue but with I think it does exist in other yeah, yeah. films as well. And this one doesn't have anything that I would pinpoint to be like, wow. Yeah. I've never seen Chocolat, but I'm assuming Chocolat oh, okay. has some. Well, once I watch Chocolat, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think that they those exist and this doesn't have it. And so it doesn't like win on that factor for me. But what I will say is I do think that the dialogue in this... <sighs> Is so romantic and so yes, yeah. yeah. Is very, it's a very well written yes. film. It is. I will give it that. Yeah. Because there are like I had a list of quotes yeah, for yeah. you, and they were quite long, and yeah. like there was a lot. I was just like, if the hottest people alive were saying this, then yeah, this yeah, would yeah, work yeah, so yeah, much so better. better. Yeah, like this would be so good if it was Jude Law and Nicole yeah, Kidman. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
Or Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, right. <laughs> or Clive Owen yeah. and Nicole Kidman. I can't believe we're talking about like romance, 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 and it's just we're watching it. Well, next we're watching week. it next week, and like I don't want to. Ignore. I know, I know. They also are very young. But that is sweeping romance yeah. too. Yeah. There you go. Right. Yeah. Like it's. It's just not palpable in this film, and that is what I've been sold on. Yeah. I do see that this is a really great movie, though, so I landed at three and a half stars. Okay. Yeah. This was more of a revelation the last time we spoke, <laughs> because I'm, I'm going to front load it. Yeah. I also actually landed on three and a half. Mm-hmm. And last time, when we were having this conversation, and you were, again, I was a little bit more favorable of it, and you were a little bit more like, meh, ho-hum. But then when you landed on three and a half, and I was just like, but how? Because we have the exact, very different opinions, but are landing on the same thing, which I actually find very interesting, because mm-hmm. how you then grade a film and how you feel about it can really differ from person to person and what three and a half means to you versus three and a half means to me. Yeah. Because... I will say the romance itself is not, like, disappointing, but it isn't sweeping. And, like, we spend so much time trying to find, like, examples of sweeping romance and, you know, swept up and blah, 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 blah. And this isn't it. If someone were to ask me in the future, can name me a movie that is, like, a sweeping romance, this is not going to come to mind. No. And it's not going to be something that, like, if someone's like, oh, do you think The English Patient is? I might think about it, and I might be like, I don't think it's sweeping, but I think it's a nice romance. And that's what I think it is. I think it's a nice romance. Mm -hmm. I think it's a believable, understandable romance. I think that's a romance that, like, propels your film. I I get it. I'm there for it. It's very well written. But I think what's missing is, like, the X factor here. Yeah. It's chemistry. It's that intangible quality of sex that's missing from this like affair and that is not just i think to clarify it's not just ray fines christian scott thomas it is also colin firth i think he needs a little bit more anger anger a little bit more aggression there needs to be some fear he's too nice he's too soft he's too much of a wet blanket of a character and you need a moment where he's confrontational or angry or jealous or whatever it is he's just kind of like he has that moment where she he's supposed to surprise her and she goes to spend the night with him and comes back and then nothing happens mm-hmm. and then he crashes a plane. Like we don't have, there's no there's no other moment in between that kind of, a moment where he confronts her, he says something or something happens and I think that's actually really important to give that sense of like danger or like yeah. what, do, what does she have to lose or what does, you know, what does he have to gain by being married? Like something. It just feels like she's married and she's having an affair. Yeah. And so I I think the thing that takes would take this movie from a three and a half to like a four or five star film is that. And I think if that was there, if it was slightly differently casted, if it was slightly differently written, it would be much better. All that to say, I can totally see why people like it, though. And I can totally see getting swept away with it. I don't think that, but I think that might be because... I've seen sweeping romances, like real sweeping romances. We are just, we're able, we had no Bollywood. We, and, yeah. yeah. And I, I, like, I, that's not even like facetious or a joke. I think it really does skew how you look at romance in the West because it's just not the same. No. It doesn't engulf you in emotion the way that like a, you know, even a tame romance like Kuchkuchotai, for instance, that is Gajal and Shah Rukh Khan, that is chemistry. Yeah. That, those are two people who aren't exceptionally hot who aren't, it's not about looks, and that sounds bad because they're very good-looking people, but mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not two hot people just having hot sex. No. There's something about those There's two people. There's real chemistry. There's real true chemistry to the point where people wanted them to get married in real life. Yeah. Like, it is, there's a fan base around them being together. To the point where it is now 25 years later, and people still, still want, want them, them to be yeah. together in real life. In real life, yeah. or do a movie together. Yeah. Like, it's it's something that you haven't experienced, really. That is, it it's jumps off the screen. And this doesn't jump off the screen. Mm-hmm. Again, very well made. Very nicely done. Completely understand why it won Best Picture. Even though I, I rate Fargo uh, four stars, I would probably have voted for this, because I think this is the harder film to assemble. And this also, I think the thing about Best Picture is it's not always the best movie of that year. Yeah. There's something about Best Picture. It, it's a quality, it's a standard. And it's a feeling more than necessarily a, a statement. And I think The English Patient 
fills those, it like ticks the boxes more than Fargo does. Yeah. That's why I think it won. That's why I think people voted for it. That's why I would have voted for it. So I am landing on three and a half. Same, same. Same, same. Twinsies. Yeah, but different opinions. Yeah. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that was our second review of The English Patient. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry you missed the first one. We have uh, a small movie to watch next week. Yeah. But Mita, before we get there, mm-hmm. game me. Okay. So last time we played this, mm-hmm. uh, it was the perfect yeah. perfect movies to connect to one another. The previous week, yes. you had me connect Lal Singh Chanda yes. to Pitch Perfect. Yes. And on Thursday, I had to connect Pitch Perfect to another film that came out in 1996, yeah. a film near and dear to yes. me. Scream. And I did it. You did it. Yeah. But we're Let me just it. tell the audience how I did it. Okay, tell us tell them how you did it. What was it? Pitch perfect? Yeah. To scream. Do you even remember? Oh my god. I know it was George Clooney yeah. to Courtney Cox, but how did it get to George Clooney? From Anna Kendrick. Oh, up in the air. <laughs> Sorry. I yeah, there we go. So Anna Kendrick up in the air, George Clooney. Was in an episode of Friends with Courtney Cox, who was in Scream. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't love that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I I used a tool that I found on IMDb where it shows yeah. you how people... And you get these weird, specific, like... They're very specific, yeah. weird and specific. But the composer of Pitch Perfect is the same composer Ooh, of yes. Scream. Um, and that is Christoph Beck, uh, who also composed for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I also had one through Adam Devine. Should I relay it? No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this week in the theme, yes. I have decided to change it. You are going to have to twi- to connect Pitch Perfect to another film that came out in 1996. Yeah. That I quite happily enjoy. Okay. I don't know. I don't think you do. Mm. The First Wives Club. Okay. <laughs> have you ever seen the I've seen the First Wives Club. Okay. There is a way. I it's figured it out. My girl, Diane. Wait. Oh. Let me start the timer. Let's bet. There Your timer starts now. My girl, Diane. Yeah. Ooh. Is it your girl, Diane? Is she the easiest connection? I don't know. Goldie Hawn and Bet. Yeah? Goldie Hawn. Lots of people in First Wives Club. Uh, there's a there's a floozy, and I don't remember the floozy's name. You do. You've watched her TV show. I know, but I can't remember it now. You've watched her TV show and her movies. The Catherine There's Hager? two movies. Oh, is it Carrie? Yeah. Is it Catherine? Oh. <laughs> Um, There's a couple floozies. But. Yes, but the, she's the main one. Oh, God. Okay. Give me... Okay, so... You're at 46 seconds. Give me a minute and a half. Okay. Pitch Perfect, Anna Kendrick, or Rebel Wilson, but what has Rebel Wilson been in? What else is in Pitch Perfect? Adam Devine. Oof. Oh, you know when you're like there and you can't do it? Yeah. I don't know where you are, but <laughs> like, I don't know where you're going. Yeah. That's not how I did it. That. You got 10 seconds left. Oh! Hmm. Yeah, okay. Okay. You think you have it? Yeah, well, I, can, I can do. Adam sure. Devine is Divine Divine. Yeah. Is in Pitch Perfect, who uh-huh. is in Modern Family. Okay. With I wanna I'm trying okay, I'm trying to get Sa- Bette Midler was in Seinfeld, Bette Midler is in the first Fires Club. And so I feel like there's a connection there and I'm just I'm like just missing it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I don't go on. The way I did it was through Bette Midler. Okay. So Pitch Perfect has one Ben Platt in it. Yes, it does. And Ben Platt was in a television show called The Politician. Yes. In which Bette Midler also was in. Oh. And Bette Midler is in The First Wives Club. There you go. Yes. But um, the floozies in The First Wives Clubs are Sarah Jessica Parker, Elizabeth Berkley, and Marsha Gay Harden. They are the three floozies. Marsha Gay. Yeah. Marsha Gay actually might have worked. Yeah, she's probably played somebody's mom. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> she was in a movie recently where someone, anyways, she won an Oscar. Pollock? Pa- Pollock. <laughs> she Harris. was in a movie recently. Pollock is a while ago. 
Anyways, I don't know. She also was in Mystic River. I like, know. She's, or she's had a great career. Yeah, she, ha- she has yeah. had a great career. Yeah. She kind of came out of nowhere and then like two Oscar noms back to back. You know, she does, She's she has a nice arc on Law yes, Order SVU. she does, yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. All right, Mita. <laughs> what little piddly movie are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching the indie feature, Titanic. Oh, Titanic. <laughs> yeah, have I've you heard of it? it? No. No, never. never. Oh, wow. Never. Uh, do you think there are people who haven't seen Titanic? Oh yeah, people born like in no <laughs> <laughs> people born like last year. Yeah. I saw a TikTok on like Instagram about like a bunch of guys who were like, "Did you know Jack and Rose aren't real?" And they're like freaking out about the fact that people think they're it's based on a true story. Oh, I thought you said that they are. Real. No, the people think. And then I was like, "Wait, they people are." Think, people are. <laughs> They're not. People are. People really think that they're real people. People? No, they're not. I have a funny story for next week. Anyway, we will talk about. We will talk about the small little movie called Titanic. 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 Okay, but that's for next week. Yes. Mita, do you have any parting words? I do, Nadim. Swoon. I'll catch you. That is such a great line. Yes. And how and that sequence as well, like they're just like come away with me. But at no point was I like, I believe you. Yeah. (laughs) He does say it very well though. He says it well, but like I just I don't know. If that had been Clive Owen and it was Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, Kidman, yeah. Way more believable. Yeah. Also because anytime I think of Christian Scott Thomas, I think about her episode in Fleabag. (laughs) (laughs) What which one is she in? She's in season two. Where the award? Isn't that Gillian Anderson? No. It's Kristen Scott. It's Kristen Scott, Scott Thomas. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, with the award. Yes. She's a lesbian. Uh, yes. And they're in the the cocktail bar. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Fleabag yeah. is just. Fleabag is mint. I know. Yeah. But thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next week for Titanic. Our hearts will go on. They will. Have a lovely week, folks. Bye. Bye bye. I'm going to save this. Please. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can send us an email at movies to watch pod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at movies to watch pod, and check out our letterbox at movies the number two watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.